on the GGR Pirate Radio Network. Uh, today is Monday, June the 29th, 2015. Um, we're going to do a fun little podcast here. Um, what's even cooler, and I'm just going to kind of introduce this to you guys, uh, we are coming up on a very cool anniversary. It is going to be one year that we've been doing GGR. Uh, that is going to be on July the 9th. That was the day that we uh, actually put out our first uh, article. That was the, an article I did about um, how you could fix... Uh, Star Wars The Phantom Menace um, and make it not suck horribly. Um, And then Steve did an article about uh, the best superheroes and what their sport of choice would be if they were athletes. But today we have on the show we've got Mr. Andy Barsh who was our I guess our first recruit is what I could call him. Um, I I don't even remember how exactly I did it Andy. Um, I think it was like a message board for like independent comic creators or something like that and i was like hey i got this awesome website i'm looking for writers and uh you messaged me when you were like i I like to write can i write for you sir please please sir that's more or less what happened but uh i'm pretty i'm pretty sure it was more like hey man i got this here uh this here (laughs) article about this here superheroes and i think you might enjoy it i got this uh, thing about uh about comic books and such uh one of the moving picture shows yeah, and uh, it was my uh, Man of Steel article, which, you know, we all know how much I love that movie. And uh, and I um, I sent it to you, and you were like, man, you really... I, I believe you just you were just like, man, you put a lot of passion into this. And I was like, dude, I really hated that movie. <laughs> that movie really pissed me off. Yeah, it, it, it upset me. I mean, I guess it could have been worse, but man, I mean, oh boy. Yeah, I mean, Steve and I talked about Man of Steel at one point, and we thought that, like, the main reason they even did did it the way they did, where Superman kind of shook character, really, I mean, with the way he killed Zod, but, like, oh, spoiler alert, he kills Zod, so. If you haven't seen the movie at this point, I mean, Jesus Christ, I've seen it, so I'm b- way behind the times when it comes to movies. If you haven't seen it yet, there's a problem. But um, we were saying that because Superman Returns was so, like... It was like Superman on Xanax, and he was so like, yeah. oh, look, I'm flying around, and I'm beautiful, and look at me, and lots of beauty <laughs> shots and stuff like that, and there wasn't much action, that you needed to have something that was completely opposite just to bring all the uh, the fans back in. Yeah, they, they really they really upped the action on it, which was a good thing. I and um, Now, the action was really good, I'll give the movie that, 
but they really missed a lot of the core things that really make Superman great and really could have brought in. Like, I'm, I'm glad people are talking about Superman again and all that, but there's a lot of things they really missed. Like, for a movie where they claim the theme is hope, there's not much in it. Like, the movie's very gray. You know, Superman barely saves anybody in the movie, if you, if you notice that. Yeah. And, the mo- and like, I, it just didn't feel like a Superman movie. I felt miserable watching that movie. And I shouldn't feel that way when watching a Superman movie. No, Superman should be one of those movies where you watch it and you're... I don't want to say smiling the whole time, but, like, that's the feel I get with Superman. Like, I've never seen the first one, and first time you see him fly, you're just, like, it's, it's exciting. It's like, Yeah, it's exactly. Hope. And I didn't feel like we got that with this one. I really liked the, the way it was done in the sense that, like, he was almost ashamed of his powers and, like, trying to hide them, um... And it kind of fits more with the feel of society now, with people being so afraid of, you know, aliens, quote-unquote. And that was kind of the theme they were going with, and that he needs to be just like everybody else. He needs to just fit into the mold, and then, you know, Kevin Costner gets destroyed by a tornado, so... Like yeah. That. Um, you know, we're talking about how much we dislike something. Um, and this is going to tie in perfectly with why you're on today. We did um, our top five comic book-based video games recently. Right. We did a really good article. I did a really good one. Um, but now we wanted to talk a little bit about video games that just suck, that are horrible. Whether they're comic book-based or not, I mean, we're going to start with that, and then we're going to go into just horrendous video games across the board. So, Andy, go ahead and, and get started. This is your baby, so uh, go ahead and get us started, bit. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, I was going to write this as a follow-up to the article, but uh, you said, let's do this as a podcast instead. So uh, if this comes up sounding like a bit like an article, uh, you know, forgive me. But uh, the one I have in my number five spot for video games based on comic books is uh, Spider-Man Web of Shadows. Uh, have you ever played that, Mike? Is that the one with... Let me see if I can remember. Is that the one where Venom basically like starts having babies? Pretty much, yeah. Like Wolverine turns into a symbiote, and uh, and uh, I forget. Um, forgive me. It's been a while since I played a few of these games, but I remember the game. <clears throat> excuse me. The game was kind of underdeveloped. Like it, it, it was really glitchy. Like there was a lot of problems with the with the gameplay mechanics. Like you, like you would you would like when you're you know swing on your web through buildings and stuff. You would literally go through buildings. Um, and unfortunately, I played on the Wii, which was, you know, even worse, because you had to, like, flick the Wii mote in order to make it seem like you were, uh, shooting webs, and it was just the most, I didn't, it didn't feel like Spider-Man at all, it felt like I was fishing. I had, um, I had it on 360 and I played it, and I actually, I enjoyed it, to a certain extent. Um, it was a cool concept, because you got to choose the path that you were going to go. You could be the red and blue Spider-Man, or you could be the black-suited Spider-Man. Uh, obviously with certain uh, benefits and disadvantages to each one. The black-suited one being stronger, the red and blue one being um, m- like quicker, faster, um, was actually a good guy. Um, but you can actually make choices, too. Like, at one point, it's like, oh, let me go home to Mary Jane. Or, you know, hot-ass... Um, Black Widow. Uh, yeah, or not Black Widow, but... Um, Black Cat. Black Cat is like, hey, why don't you hang out with me, Spider-Man? And I was like, yeah, I kind of want to hang out with Black Cat, so <laughs> I'm going to do that. It is there a really... third choice we can hang with both of them? Come on, girls, let's do this. Two chicks at one time. Let's um, go back to my spider hot tub. <laughs> we'll play some Marvin Gaye. We'll get it on. It'll be great. Um, it was repetitive, though. 
Yeah. You could do one particular move over and over and over and over again, and it just it got old really quick. I never finished the game because I didn't care because I was like, this is stupid. But it, it was, was really GT boring. where you could fly, like, if you were swinging, you'd swing into buildings and, like, kind of crash through the corner of it, but you wouldn't crash through it. You'd just kind of go through it. And it's it suffered from the same thing that a lot of Spider-Man games suffer from, and that is, other than Spider-Man 2 for... I want to say it was, like, PlayStation 2. Yeah. Which was, like, the first open-world one, which was amazing. Yeah. Where it was, like, people who lived in New York were like, I can go visit my house. This is crazy. After yeah, when that, I was... they've all been that same basis and never really improved on it. Yeah, I mean, when I um, when I was doing the article, I, I had... It was kind of tough for me to choose between Spider-Man for the PS1 and Spider-Man 2, because they're both amazing games, and Spider-Man 2 had the open-world thing going on. And the uh, the physics of it were really impressive, too. And I remember when that game came out, it came out the day before the movie came out. And I literally beat that game, like, the, like before the movie came out. Like, the next morning, I was done with the game. <laughs> All right, was, well, I beat the video game. Now it's time to go see the movie and see who's better. I think my game was... I think what I did was better than what Spider-Man could do. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, one that I want to... Um, actually, you know, go ahead and, What's your next one, man? Um, this one is kind of obscure... If you can't remember it, I don't blame you. Um, but it's called uh, The Incredible Hulk, The Pantheon Saga for it was PlayStation 1 and, and um, I think it was Sega Saturn. Wow. Yeah, it, um, I bought it um, back um, in the early days. It was from the early days of PS1. So it was kind of iffy, you know. And this was back during the Smart Hulk days. Um, oh, like when fix it days. No, when it was when it was Bruce Banner who had control of the Hulk's body, yeah. um, which sounds like a good idea, but it's not the Hulk, you know, it's not what we love, but the Hulk, you know, it's the struggle that sort of makes him interesting. Um, but like the game, basically, when I think of the Hulk, I'm thinking of like a guy who's not in control of his emotions. He's flying around, tossing stuff around, breaking stuff. But in this game, um, Hulk stands very calm and perfectly erect, and he moves like he's on a chess board. Like, he moves like a perfect, you know, 90-degree angles, 45-degree angles. You know, he doesn't... He moves like he's a tank, pretty much. And um, when you think of the Hulk, you know, this is what he does in the game. He solves puzzles. Like, the Hulk's not a smart guy. I don't imagine him solving puzzles. <laughs> I'm just like I'm picturing him with like a Rubik's cube and just getting mad, and smashing it to bits. Like Rubik's cube smash. Yeah, exactly. Stupid boys. Uh, ah, yeah. Um, and one of the things that I thought was even back then, um, you know, like I said, Hulk smashes, he punches. The fighting mechanics look like he's playing patty cake. Like he just puts one, you know, open palm in front of him and then the other one. It's it looks. It doesn't look like the Hulk at all. It looks like a large green five-year-old playing patty cake with robots. <laughs> what's your uh, what's your next awful game, Andy? Um, this one I scratched off because I don't remember it too well. But do you remember Danger Girl? No idea. No, never heard of it. All right, it's um, it was Jeff Scott Campbell's, uh, and I think the other gentleman's name was Andy Hewitt. I could be wrong. I apologize if if that's incorrect. Um, but it's basically like a spy, um, like comedy type thing with a lot of hot chicks. Like Jeff Scott Campbell, you know, he draws some really hot chicks. So that's basically what it is, and it's sort of like his, you know, like a James Bond type of spoof. And um, they made a um, V game based off it. And the video game wasn't 
all that great. It was just really bland and boring. The controls weren't that great. Yes. The, the thing that really... Two things that really upset me about it. Um, if you haven't read the comic book, it's like it's a it's a mini series. The first series was a mini series, mm-hmm. and it spoils it. Like there's a twist. I, I don't think it really matters at this point. But one of the uh, members of the Danger Girl it turns out to be a villain, and it spoils that if you haven't read the comic book. Um, and then there's um, the aiming system is insane. Like basically each trigger, each you know. The R1 and L1 buttons pretty much represent your shoulders as to where you're aiming. And it was just just really horrible. The graphics were ugly. I, I It's too early in the morning to think about it. I gotcha. I gotcha. You know, there. Um, you, you mentioned a couple, and there's, there's a couple that I wanted to mention, too, um, that were just... You mentioned aiming and just how awful they were. And I'm trying to find the exact one, but the first one I'll start with... Um, a lot of my really, really bad games were ones that were on the Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one, I don't know if you had a 360 or if you ever played this game, but it was called Bullet Witch. I've heard of it. It was horrible. It was one of the worst games I've ever played. So, like, what it is is you've got this girl who apparently is a witch, right? But mm-hmm. she has a broom, but it looks more like a guitar, and it can fire bullets. And it's just, it doesn't really make sense. And you're fighting these weird zombie guys that kind of look like Nazis. So they're like zombie Nazis. It's horrible. The aiming system sucks. Um, But you can see that the guys who were developing this game spent all of their money on making this girl look really hot. Like if they had a budget of like $10 million, 9.5 million of it was spent making this girl walk right because like she struts like if you walk her in slow motion like she pops her hips out left and right and like it's perfect and you're like wow it actually looks like somebody walking but then the rest of the game is just like total crap and like these guys with these big giant brains are floating around and they look like big and uh, like big macy's day parade floats it's just it's it's a horrible 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 game and i've never met anybody who's actually been like well this game was okay i kind of liked it no it, it's so another game that was absolutely horrible was Turning Point, Fall of Liberty. For the, uh, It was like for 360 and PS3. And it seemed like such a good concept. Because it was like, ooh, what if the Nazis won and you were like a freedom fighter and uh, the Nazis had taken over America and you were trying to win back your country. And it seems, again, seems like a great idea, but what ends up happening is it's the, the mechanics are all wrong, the aiming sucks, uh, your Nazi guys that you're fighting look like they're uh, on ice skates when they're coming towards you, and you'll shoot them and you'll hit them but they won't respond for a couple seconds. So it's like you hit them, and then one, two, three, ah, my chest, and then they fall over. It's just horrendous and horrible. Um, And it's too bad, too, because that one had such a cool concept behind it. It just didn't pull it off. Um, Another one that I wanted to mention was one for the PS1. Uh, I'm a Star Wars doofus, so most things Star Wars I'll probably pick up and play at some point. It was a Star Wars fighting game called Star Wars Masters of Terrace and it was so crappy. And I, I played it. It's a horrible game. Yeah, yeah. It was my brother and I. Um, I was I was in like high school, like maybe yeah. It was like eighth or ninth grade when we got our uh, our PS One, and we would just laugh because there was a sand person. One of the uh, Tuscan Raiders was one of the people you could fight as, and his name was Hor H O A R. Oh, nice. It would just every we would play as him just so we could hear the computer say Hor wins and giggle like idiots. Yeah, I mean, I have a general rule where if 
you're one you're confused about how the game is pronounced. I don't I I shouldn't play it. Like I know it. But uh my my buddy had a, had that game and I was like, "Oh man, a Star Wars fighting game. This sounds perfect. Like how can you this how can you screw this up?" They did. It was pretty bad. Like the controls were awful. Yeah, it was just a just a horrible game. And it seemed like such a cool concept too, but it just did it did not just didn't work out. And like even looking at it here, like the Wikipedia entry is very, very short. It was just like, let's not... How about let's just not talk about this. It actually says in here, it says, Reception, received mixed mixed reviews. Most were disappointed in the fighting engine, which was inferior compared to competitive games such as Soul Edge, Tekken, and Virtual Fighter. Mm-hmm. Others were also disappointed that lightsabers, which are usually depicted as capable of slicing off limbs, were treated like baseball bats instead. <laughs> but I mean, if you think about it, though, if it was treated like a real lightsaber... You wouldn't pick anybody other than Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader because you would just go into the fight and just sever everyone's limbs and that would be the end of it. It would be over in five seconds. That's a thing that's lacking in a lot of Star Wars games is like, um, is like, you know, Jedi controls and and lightsabering. Like they did a they did a Star Wars trilogy arcade game um, back in the late nineties, early two thousands, and I. Chunked. I threw so many cores in, in that game. It was amazing. You and me both, man. I love that game. In fact, I've said on multiple occasions, if we ever become like rich from this website or from like Ethan Stone PI, I'm buying one of those damn things because that game was so friggin' cool. Yeah, I mean, I was hoping they would port that to like on... Um, yeah, because at the time, the um, the big system was the Dreamcast. And I thought it would have been perfect for Dreamcast, but they never ported it to like... Because it was made by Sega, so... Yeah, but Sega got into this really weird thing where after, um, like, the Dreamcast, everybody loved the Dreamcast. It was a great system, and they stopped supporting it because, again, Sega is essentially run by the Japanese side of the company, and they felt the money was in arcades. Because in Japan, arcades are still a big thing. Here, yeah. not so much. Everybody wants to do home gaming. Um, but, yeah, they just stopped putting money into the systems. They stopped porting stuff, so that's why you never saw that uh, on any system, which is a damn shame because that game was amazing. Yeah, it was. Oh man, I, and it's a shame that you know, Amer- um, arcades aren't a big thing in America anymore. Because with the way technology is going now, you know, can you imagine if you have a gigantic crowd in an arcade, you know, the type of money that can come in from that sort of industry? What kind of games you could make nowadays if there was the audience sport? Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, it's all about home gaming now, unfortunately. So that's kind of the the way of the world. Um, what else you got for crappy games, Andy? Well, my number two one on my list is um, you can't have a bad video game list uh, in superheroes without mentioning Superman 64. <laughs> that game sucks so bad. That game really... Uh, let me tell you, when that game came out, it was advertised to be coming out on the PS1, and at that time, I stopped playing Nintendo 64 and went on the PlayStation, and I was waiting for it to come out on PlayStation, and the day it came out, I couldn't find it anywhere, and I was like, what's going on here? And it only came out on uh, Nintendo. I buy it for Nintendo, and I'm like, sweet, I can play Superman 360 based on the animated series. There's no way you can go wrong. And you're flying through rings throughout the entire thing. Um, the, the funny thing is, at the beginning of the game, it's like Lex Luthor says, fly through my maze, Superman. But apparently Lex Luthor, the millionaire genius that he is, doesn't know the difference between a maze and flying through rings. Uh... And all your and that's pretty much the entire like as far as anybody can get like, if I can't think of anybody who's made it past like the ring level stuff, and 
oh man, it, it I was so bummed because you guys know how big a Superman fan I am. Yeah. And it just seemed like like it's I don't know why it's so hard to make a good Superman game or a good movie or it, it infuriates me. It's too early. I'm I'm getting stressed out, man. <laughs> it's okay, Andy. I know, buddy. I know. And like they they don't do good ah. Superman games, unfortunately. There was one for 360 um, Superman Returns that had a ton of potential, and it was parts of it were really really good. It was good. The graphics were good. Um, it just didn't. They couldn't put it all together, and that's the problem with Superman. Though you're essentially saying, like, if you want to make a good Superman game. How are you going to have a challenge for him? Because he's essentially a god. Yeah. And like, if you want it to be good, you're going to have to have him all those uh, have all those godlike powers. But at the same time, too, how are you going to make it challenging? So it's. I mean, I, I see the problem with that, but at the same time, too, I think that's a cop out because that was the same thing I said about Batman. They're like, oh, you can't make a good Batman game, and then Arkham Asylum changed everything, and that game is I, I still like to this point. It's one of the best games I've ever played. It's easily on my top five of like all games ever that I've ever played. Yeah, speaking of um, the Arkham games, I'm playing Arkham Knight now, yeah. and um, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, um, I'm I'm definitely doing a review as soon as I finish it, but there's a lot to go through. There's a lot of open world missions and a lot of unlockables and stuff. So I probably won't be able to get to it until probably next week. <laughs> Yeah, there's no rush on that one, man. Um, I'm looking through some of these games. There's, like, a list on Wikipedia. It says the list of games, video games notable for negative reception. There was this one that came out for the PlayStation 2 and the, uh, and the Wii, and it was called Ninja Bread Man. And it sounds as horrible um, as it actually was. You're a gingerbread man who's a ninja. And that's really all that needs to be said. It was it was horrible. It was just horrendous. Um I'm trying. I'm looking through some of these other ones that were just horrible. Uh, apparently, there was a Doctor Who game that came out for the Wii that was horrible. Um, there was a Thor game that came out that was really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, never played it, so I'm not sure. Me neither. I'm just yeah. Through right now. Final Fantasy: All the Bravest. I don't even know what that is. Um, the Walking Dead. Survival Instinct. Yeah, that's the one based on the TV show where you play as the Dixon brothers. I haven't played it, but I've heard, like, the zombies are not scary in the least bit. Like, they'll stand right in front of you, and you'll just smack them, and they won't come after you. Eh. So listen to this. I didn't even know this. I remember working for GameStop and them announcing that they were making it, but I never actually played it. And this is Star Trek. It was the video game based on the reboot of the series. Mm -hmm. Released on April 23rd, 2013, Star Trek was heavily criticized for its poor quality, as well as its large number of bugs and glitches. Metacritic gave this PlayStation 3 version 46%, with the PC version having a score of 44%, and the Xbox having a 42%. Uh, GameSpot also gave Star Trek a 3.5 out of 10, while IGN gave it a 4.2. J.J. Abrams stated in September 2013 that he was emotionally hurt by the game's poor reception, and also stated that it uh, arguably hurt his new film, Star Trek Into Darkness, by being released shortly before it. (laughs) He was upset. He was like, this game sucks and people didn't like it, and I'm sad. Like, what a douchebag. Well, I'm pretty sure when the box office, you know, receipts came in, he, he sort of, you know, got over pretty quickly. Oh, I'm sure he did, but whatever. You know, like, that Star Trek Into Darkness sucked anyways. Like, I, I wrote an article about that one, um, which you guys should check out. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's in Frank Landau's AAR, so go ahead and give that a, a look on, uh, on GGR. But yeah, like, I... 
that guy, he even said it, and it made me mad when he said it. He was just like, well, I'm not even really that big of a Star Trek fan. I'm more of a Star Wars guy. And I'm like, then why are you directing this movie? And then he got to a point where he was like, well, I'm going to let these other guys do all the writing. And the guys who wrote it were like, eh, we never even really watched Star Trek. And I'm like, then why the hell are you doing this? That's insane. Yeah, and it's you're going to take something that I loved as a child, and you're just going to take a dump all over it because you don't really like it, and you really like Star Wars more. Ooh, what a jerk-off. Well, you know what? They brought that audience in, so I mean, if not for that movie, I probably wouldn't have been interested in Star Star. Excuse me, Star Trek. And now I'm a Star Trek fan myself, and I I actually like the older movies better than the than the Abrams movies. Yeah, yeah, the older movies are, are classics. The Abrams ones are okay. The first one was good, um, but the second one was was not so much. Um, so did you get to your number one? No, uh, here's my number one. And going back to uh, Thor. Um, when, you know, Marvel was doing all the, um, you know, the movies like the Captain America, the Thor, um, they were making video games based on them and they were made really cheaply. And the one that really, you know, gave us the first taste of how all these would be was Iron Man. And this was for all the systems. It was for PS2, PS3, Xbox, Xbox 360, any of the current, you know, gen systems, and basically, it's it's basically a um, the part where he gets the full Iron Man suit on and he goes over to um, the Middle East and you know, destroys all the weapons and stuff. Yeah. The entire game is basically based on that, but it's repeated over and over again. But they might as well have called this game "Being Shot at Simulator." Like, there's not a second where you're getting shot at by you know a million pellets of bullets. I mean, you have. I mean, it sounds like a on paper, it sounds like a brilliant idea for a game, but all you're doing is just getting shot at, you know, and you got these awful controls, and, I if mean... I, if I remember correctly, too, the flight dynamic was yeah. in the butt, and it was so incredibly hard to control, and, yeah, I just... It, it, again, like you said, it seemed like such a cool idea, like a cool concept that was just horribly executed, and it just never panned out, and they... They talked about, like, even with Iron Man 2, you're like, oh, now you can play as War Machine. Oh, the next game, oh, we know that the problems we had in the first game, we're going to make the second one better. And the second one sucked just as bad. And just, they never have gotten it right. Um, the closest they've done is, like, when they do the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games, those are pretty good. The, um, they did a Iron Man 3 game for, um, for, like, mobile devices. That was pretty good. But basically, it's like, you're, you're, you're flying, it's like a flying game with, uh, you know, tilt axis controls. Yeah. That was pretty good, but there's no real combat system or anything like that. It's it's, and, and that's sad. Like the mobile version is better than the one for the Xbox. You know. Yeah, and that's what actually gaming is coming to is is everything is becoming mobile now. Um, people just want to be able to play quick, pick up their phone, have everything integrated in one spot, and not have to do all of this extra stuff. Um, I'm I've always I was always a big proponent in with video games. I want it to be more story-based, because, like, I didn't want to go online and play Call of Duty and have a bunch of eight-year-olds yell obscenities at me while I was getting shot in the face. I just really wasn't interested in that. And I'm never going to be one of those guys that's a great online player because I don't have that much free time. And I see these guys who've been playing for hours and hours and hours and hours, and as soon as you step on the map, you're getting shot. It's like, I'm, no, thanks. I'd rather play something that was story-based. Um... That's a game, you know, I want to mention it, too, because I never really got a chance to talk about it. It was, like, the last game I ever played for the Xbox 360 before I gave my 360 away. And that was Dead Island. Um, 
I don't want to say it was bad because it wasn't. It was it was decent. Yeah. I remember seeing the previews for this game, and what like maybe you've you've seen this, maybe you haven't, but like the first preview they ever showed, it was this like video in reverse. Like they show this guy laying on like a sidewalk and he's dead. Right, there's blood coming out of his uh, head, and then they do it in reverse. Yeah, you see that like the hotel was overrun by zombies, and that his daughter became a zombie, and it was just it was moving, and you were just like you felt bad, and you were like, oh my god, this game is going to be amazing, and then you play it, and it was nothing like the video. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, just horribly disappointing. I remember they, um, based on the trailer alone, the reverse trailer, they um, they already were signed up for a movie deal, and. Now that now the game's come out and everybody said the game pretty much sucks, I never played it myself, so I can't say you know it is or not. But after the reception of how different it was from the trailer, you know, I don't know if they're still going through that you know movie deal or not. Yeah, probably not at this point. I mean, they've kind of worn out that welcome as far as uh, I think most people are concerned with that game. Um, so the, yeah, really. I mean, unless Yui Bull wants to direct it and turn it into something completely different, like he did with Dead, uh, what he did, uh, what was the crappy one that he did with the zombies that is based on the video game? Alone in, um, House of the Dead. House of the Dead, yeah. God, that guy's a douchebag. Uh, I remember, um, seeing that movie in theaters, and I was like, oh, House of the Dead, you know, and this is when zombies were getting real big, and I go in the theater, and I'm by myself, there's no one else in there, and it's like the smallest theater in, in the whole, you know, um, multiplex, yep. and the vi- the movie starts, and it, the first lines are "They're all dead," and I'm like, "Well, that's it. Way to way to start off with a horror movie, movie bowl." <laughs> and all dead. well, I got my money's worth. That was great. And then, like in the middle of the movie, there's like, like a um, oh my god, there's a part where they're all just like you know just shooting zombies, and they're all dying one by one. And it's somehow killing zombies is boring in this movie. Like they made he made killing zombies boring. Ah. <laughs> yeah, he's, and, a hor- he's a horrible person. He's, he really truly is, as you mentioned in your article that you wrote about how he's a horrible person. So. Yes, if you have time, please check out my article about Uwe Boll. My message for Uwe Boll on GGR. Oh, there you go. I like the plug. That was nice, man. You're, Thank you. You're picking this up well. Um, so we got the anniversary coming up, um, so we're actually going to have another podcast that we're going to be doing this week. Uh, it's going to be me, it's going to be you, it's going to be Steve. I'm trying to see if I can get Vic involved, too. Um, I might see if I can get Ben to um, take time away from his busy schedule and uh, join us on the podcast, uh, just to kind of celebrate the fact that this has been one year. And uh, we're may- I mean, it's, it's become a much better site in the one year that we've uh, had it. We're continually improving, which is, I mean, really the key with any of this. So we're hoping the next step is going to be that we have like advertisers and things like that. So hint, hint, all you advertisers. I'm going to get in real close to the mic for this one. If you uh, want to advertise on GGR, please contact us at uh, .com, uh and just click on the contact us part. We would be more than happy to plug your awesome products. So there you go. Yes, for all your gaming needs, GGR, and nerdy needs, GGR, GGR.com. Want to talk about TV? GGR! Want to talk about movies? GGR! Want to talk about how much you hated Star Trek? GGR! Want to talk about Twilight? Some Someplace else, not here, no. Don't bring it up, man. I have a, I have a few more uh, games here. Uh, 
Um, there's one, I remember this game being so, it was, it, they somehow made it like a text-based mechanic. It's called Batman Dark Tomorrow. Have you ever heard of that? Um, yeah, but I never played it. It was for, I believe it was for GameCube only. And it, what I remember is Batman running around at super high speeds. Like, I wanted, like, every time I watched him run, I wanted to play Yakety Sax. It was hilarious. Um, they um, These two games, uh, I'm going to put hand in hand, because I think they're made by the same people. Um, they made a PS2 game based on Ghost Rider when the movie came out. And it wasn't a terrible game. Um, it, was, it was very much God of War. Um, and they also made an X-Men game based on the third movie. Um, they were both okay, but the thing that I thought was hilarious is that the cutscenes were animated, but they were, like, still sh- animated still shots. And I'm like, really? In, like, 2006, 2007, you can't make some animate like, fully animated, you know, cutscenes? Like, it-, it felt like a really cheap cartoon, you know, where they just took, like, pictures from a storybook and just, like, moved them by hand. It was ridiculous. <clears throat> With most of those movie games... Um, that's kind of what you get, unfortunately, is they, especially a movie based on a comic, based on a game, it's, it's just too much going on, and they're only interested in trying to make a buck, so they're just going to put it out as quickly and cheaply as they possibly can, because, I mean, when was the last movie game that was actually any good? Um, trying to think, well, I mean, The Amazing Spider-Man wasn't too bad, actually. Um, I heard the sequel's terrible, I never played the sequel. Um, let's see here. Okay, um, I, I was never a big PC gamer, um, but when I was a kid, I, I'm a huge Mega Man fan, and I've always wanted to play the very first game, but like for whatever reason, I couldn't find it in stores anywhere. It was never in any of the uh, video stores. Remember video stores? I miss video stores. Me too. Um, they had, um, but I found the first Mega Man game for MS-DOS. Mike, it wasn't Mega Man. It was not Mega Man. Um, I, I it was my first experience playing MS DOS games, and some people they they like it, but like the sound effects were, ter- were terrible. Um, oh, Me- Mega Man just um, you know like the, you play Mega Man right? The old NES games. Yeah. Um, when you think of Mega Man, you're thinking like you know fluent controls, um, interesting enemies. There was this was none of that. Like like. Again, the same problem with Batman Dark Tomorrow. Um, he runs at like a super high speed. You can't see where you're going. I want to hear yakety sex. Um, the run, the the jump and uh, the jump and shoot mechanics are terrible. And the villains were you didn't get Cutman or Bomb Man or Gutsman or anything like that. You got like Torpedo Man or Taco Man or Future Man. <laughs> We still haven't explained to anybody on the podcast what Future Man is. <laughs> okay, so years ago when uh, it was, I worked for um, a video game store, Ben, um, the artist for uh, Ethan Stone, he worked uh, at a video game store too. And then Gus, uh, who contributes as Dumble Gus every now and then on uh, GGR, we all worked at uh, the same video game store. And we would just make fun of our redneck customers who would come in and just say dumb things. And we just created a whole, like, character for this guy. And we called him Future Man because that's what he would call us. 
because we're dealing with like video games and he was still stuck in the past and it would be things to the effect of like he would ask us how wireless controllers work um like how are you going to play an xbox game with one of them like without having a vibronic rope that connects it to the xbox i mean you can't just have signals flying around all nimbly bimbly and without the FCC coming in and, and interrupting unless you're going to go back in time and reconfigure the flux capacitor future, man, and just just nonsense from there. And we would just laugh like idiots because we thought it was funny. Um, but it's taken on a life of its own now because as we get older and we see more rednecks, uh, we just have them come up with these crazy conspiracy theories and then just add future man to the end of it and it pretty much works, so... Hashtag future man, folks. Hashtag future man. So, like a perfect example would be like, there ain't no way Obama's going to be able to make sure they get rid of all the Confederate flags because I've been to the future. I've been to 24,250 AD and I've seen that the Confederate flag is the new American flag. So unless he's going to go to the future and stop them and then change it or go to the past and eliminate it completely, which he could do because he does have an army of Terminators underneath the Pentagon that he uses at his disposal, then I don't see how he's going to be able to pass this future man. He ain't going to get rid of the Confederate flags. He ain't seen the Dukes of Hazard. There ain't no way he can destroy the General Lee. He's been jumped on so many times. Ain't no way he can destroy the General Lee. The General Lee is made of an adamantium alloy that cannot be destroyed except by another thing made of an adamantium alloy. And the General Lee is the only vehicle in history that has that material made of it. As Brian Cox said in the 2003 feature X-Men X2 uh, 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 future man. Future man. The only thing that can destroy adamantium is at super high temperatures. But it ain't that hot in Georgia, future man, where the Dukes of Hazard takes place, future man. Alright, on that note, Andy, I think we're gonna call it a, uh, call it a podcast here. Uh, again, guys, this is Andy Barsh on, uh, this is his first time on the podcast, so be kind, send some nice comments our way, and, uh, we will be back on Thursday with our anniversary special. So uh, signing off here for Mike on the mic. I am Mike on the mic. Have a good one, guys. This has been a DR Pirate Radio Network production. Woohoo!